Hello and welcome to season two, episode two of Never Go Full Nelson. I am your co-host, Nick Nelson, is joined by man of many titles, Patrifamilia, father, politician, whiskey drinker, Ben Nelson. How do you Hello, do? Dad. How's how you everybody doing? doing? What's going on, Nick? Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm not too shabby, man. You sound you sound a little a little less excited than usual, man. What's been going on in your life, man? You, you're not down, are you? You you you're not no, I'm just not on us. Just busy, and I've been sick. I was sick for about a week and a half, oh, and let me not back COVID up here. sick. Let me back up a little bit. Yeah, not COVID sick, because uh, oh. uh, apparently there's still flu seasons here. I guess. Um, and oh, I caught it, um, which is also awesome, considering I haven't caught COVID yet. A strong year since it's been going on. I've dodged COVID, and I've I know because I've taken I don't know thirty fucking tests in the last year, um, and then. I got, I've been sick several times this year and I got really sick actually last week, no fevers or nothing, but I got a cough. I got phlegm. I got just all around crappy feeling. So I had to cancel, which I'm booked out until April right now. And I had with to, your tattooing business. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and so I had to cancel my appointments last week. Cause I'm like, you know, one of these polite people who don't like to give other people sick yeah. and, um, and especially if it was COVID, I don't want to, even though most of my clients already had it. Um, which is I'm crazy. Mark that as a plus in your journey as a human being, right there. I'm giving you one. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting graded. So you're yeah, actually grading me. I, so when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and it's not going to be God. It's going to be you, like with a notepad, oh, checking yeah, me got, all off. Here, I got a hash know? mark system here for all, all <laughs> my You haven't kids. been a complete piece of shit in your life. Good job, son. Neil has two. <laughs> oh, so <thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I somehow dodged it and again. I took two tests. Uh, both came up negative, um, which was good. good. And the doctor, I was like, so I don't know what's wrong with me. She's like, I don't know. You're sick, dude. Like <laughs> it happens. I was like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess that's yeah. still a thing, isn't it? Just like that other stuff didn't stop. Yeah, Life has like a whole shit pot full of sickness and diseases that we forgot about. No. So I did the awesome thing and I got around all my friends and family and got them all sick. Oh, like, like score. So no, and I warned them all. There goes that hash mark. <laughs> Damn it. There you go. <laughs> Earn a earn earn a earn a merit. So we, a demerit. Have, we have a we have a special guest today, man. Yes. Yeah, this is a uh, like friend of mine, uh, Joe Schneider. He's a uh, uh, Benita person. Grew up with me there in town here. And I got to tell you, I mean, I'm so proud of uh, some of your friends. You know, when they grow up and you get to see how everybody turns out, you kind of like, ooh, oh man, or whatever, you know, or it's like, yeah, how you doing? Bye, Joe. Uh, I got to tell you, I am so proud of uh, this young fellow here, man. He's uh, been in teaching here for like, well, 16, 20 years. He's been a teacher for a long time. He was a hippie growing up with me. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to force gump him right here. He was a rock and roller. He was a shrimper. He was a commercial fisherman, construction worker, drafting, massage service teacher. Joe's done a bunch of stuff, a full life, man. And, and accoutrement uh, really of skills. To know him. Joe Schneider, how you doing, Joe? Hey, uh, you know. Things are good. Uh, I'm living in Kentucky these days. Uh, it's a little bit snowy out here. I did build a snowman with my eight-year-old daughter out in the front yard uh, this afternoon, and that was kind of fun. Does it snow a lot where you're at? I mean, uh, is this just like a once every year, twice every year thing? Yeah, you know, the we had a, we had a snow day yesterday. Uh-huh. And so uh, in the midst of COVID, and we're on this wacky hybrid schedule where we've got kids either going Monday, Tuesday or Thursday, Friday 
as a parent and a teacher, you're experiencing this. I mean, that's uh, like, yeah, yeah, it's like I'm teaching and my kid is, is in, in yeah. the hybrid program. So she's only going to school Thursdays and Fridays and getting homework for Mondays and Tuesdays. And the schools, the way they're set up is the teachers are there every day, but we're teaching, you know, half the kids on Monday and Tuesday and we're teaching the other half on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> and I got, I got three kids and they're all doing oh. different things like my son like i said he goes to full he goes the full school thing my my youngest son my middle son does the half and half and neil he's going through the same boat with his kids it's just a mess and you know it's they're just now getting these uh the you know the shots out to us the vaccines out to us i'm supposed to get i'm supposed to get a shot nor not only am i 66 and in that range but uh, you know, I'm still teaching. I didn't start teaching until I was 40. So you're, you're so, so yeah. Let's get into this a little bit. You're a teacher, okay. right? Yes. Yep. Uh, what what is there a particular grade that you teach, or is it? Uh, well, I I uh, you've got to uh, the way Kentucky works. When I came up here and went to college, finally at the age of 33. Okay, I finally got around to going to college seriously. Um, they were set up with certifications in K through five. And then six through eight, and then nine through twelve. I had never considered anything but high school, and uh, so I just went ahead and got on that track, you know, and started taking the general, the general education classes that a uh, freshman in college has to take, like English one hundred and one. Uh, and it was it was a hoot because I was in there with almost or just almost a, they were just a little bit over half my age. I felt that way in high school. You know, <laughs> I was uh, I was a senior in pre-algebra with a bunch of eighth graders, basically. And I was like, oh, yeah, looking so around. There I, was, there I was. And I thought I was going to be a math teacher because they needed math teachers. I'm thinking, oh, it's my foot in the door, like right out the box. You know, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get a four year degree in my, my teaching certificate. I'm going to be a math teacher. And then I ran right into college. <laughs> man. You're like, this is shit is hard, man. <laughs> this, this, what? Negative exponents. What is that? The Lord blessed me with basic skills out the wazoo. I can take a multiple choice test and ace that freaking thing even if I don't know the freaking That's subject. what I always told I always tell my kids this. I'm like, you know, cuz for me personally, it's remembering things. Like I'm pretty good with like figuring things out. You give me a word problem in a piece of paper, I'll figure it out. I, I don't I don't know the equations or how they work, but you give me enough time to sit there with a pen and paper, I'll figure it out somehow. But they don't teach you in school how to understand it. They just teach you to remember things. And for somebody like me who doesn't remember very well, nah, nah. Especially no, with these no. fucking math equations, I could not do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was like, really, I, I knew I was in trouble when I took my first math class at U of L. This was back in the spring of, uh, 89. Okay. I'm in there with these kids that are right out of high school. They've, they've been doing all this stuff. And the uh, graduate assistant gives us a pretest. She just <laughs> wants to see the professor wants to get a handle on where we're coming from. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this stuff. I'm seeing, like I said, Negative exponents, fractional exponents. I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before on this test. And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm befuddled. I am dumbstruck. And I'm going, Jesus, I thought I was a pretty sharp dude. And then I started gaining, I was looking around the room and I realized that 
these young people were all using these things called calculators. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, since the time I graduated in 1972, technology had stepped into the math place, the math uh, classroom, and these kids were all hammering stuff out over there on calculators. Well, I backed up and punted and uh, dropped that math course like a hot potato and, and went back to like plain old college algebra mm-hmm. and struggled through it. And I, it's funny because the, the, the professor was uh, a hippie Harley rider. He'd come in on his Harley every day and he'd come in and he'd take care of us because we were just all like, you know, we were the kids that didn't get the uh, AP classes in high school yeah. in math. And so anyway, he and I, he and I laughed because we were about the same age and we got through that. And then I had to go right back into that same, they called it pre-calculus and trig. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to go right back into that class as my second class thinking that I was still going to be a math teacher. Well, that was the class that just beat me down. And I said, okay, I've got to think, I got to rethink this. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do what I like. And that's geography and history and wound up being a, uh, a social studies. That was my certificate. Uh, originally, my certificate was social studies. So anyway, it was like uh, you know, it didn't turn out like I was. So when you left college, what what was what you were just like? All right, I'm going to go into teaching or what? And then, well, what you do is in college, you go to the college, you go to the school of education. Yeah. And so you're getting this degree in whatever plus this teaching certificate that's kind of packed on the side here. Gotcha. Well. The last year I was in the program at L, the state decided that your teaching certificate was going to be a master's program. So I wasn't going to get to carry that in, and graduate as soon as I thought I was going to with my certificate if that held in place. But they grandfathered me. I was like the last guy to get out of L with a four-year degree. And everybody else was like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my teaching certificate. Yeah. But then, uh, then uh, Jefferson County... Uh, where Louisville is, is uh, where I was living at the time. And I'm just outside of Louisville now. Um, they had a huge public school system. We had a hundred thousand kids and uh, a lot of it was inner city, black, poor. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of it is a mess. Yeah. And a lot of eco- economically disadvantaged too, just period. Ton- no, that's the main, that's the yeah, main yeah, thing. Yeah. That's the main thing. And so I, uh, I bounced around. I cut, you know, they said, okay, the best way to get a job is to, uh, sub, right. Mm-hmm. I subbed everywhere in the County for two years. And, and anybody no- who goes to school knows how other <laughs> people, students treat substitutes, including the oh, schools. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, you know, substituting is a thankless job. You know, yeah. They, uh, for the most part, you know, they will, uh, they wake you up or, you know, you, they call you at like five fifteen in the morning and tell you where you're going that day. And it's a big county and you can be, you know, that you might have time to catch a shower and get there if you're lucky, you know, and, and you do, you know, I just set your clock that time. Well, I tell you, I was bribing those people back then. It was still, <laughs> it was like being was, a waiter. Hey, hey man, I'll take your shift. Uh, I'll give you 20 bucks. No, let me take your shift. <laughs> I, was, I was bribing those people in the substitute, uh, in the substitute center. Right. Yeah. Because at that time it was still manual. You know, they would have to, the, the schools would call in and say, hey, I need a, you know, I need a math teacher that day. I need a math teacher for tomorrow and that kind of thing. And uh, so anyway, I would go in there with uh, drink things for, um, uh, t- so that they could go out to the bar and have one later on. And so they would remember <laughs> Joe Snyder because they knew the good jobs. Yeah. 
you know, they knew the good jobs. And I'd call in and I'd say, hey, listen, this is Joe Schneider. And he'd say, wait a minute, Joe, let me check this out. You know, and he would go down through the list, throwing out the ones that were hell holes uh-huh. and save the ones for me that, that uh, you know, and I, you know, so that, I did that for a while. And then uh, I did enough subbing in a, um, a class at a school that was really a hard school. Uh, there were 17 different nationalities, different languages being spoken in the hallways. This was on the south side of Louisville, wherever Catholic charities could take people from. It was like wherever the American military had a, put a boot footprint down, they were dragging those people that wanted to come to America, Catholic charities, with gathering those people up and bringing them over here. We had people from Afghanistan, Thailand, Vietnam. We had them all over the place. And you could hear them in the hallways when you were standing there, and they would be walking by, and there'd be the girls with these giant headdresses on in their flowing skirts and stuff, and they'd be, you know, they would be talking away in their native language, and I was just, Whoever thought I loved that it. Louisville would be the UN of, oh, it was. <laughs> of the exactly. South. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. amazing. No offense, but any anytime I think of Kentucky, it isn't. Oh, yeah, those are, that's where my fucking grandparents went from Denmark, or you know, they yeah. got great mountains there. Or no, I think one thing when I think of Kentucky, and I think it's the same thing everybody else think is fucking bitch the Mitch McConnell, and, that, and that's the only <laughs> thing I think of when I think of Kentucky. Unfortunately, I've been writing him nasty letters for years. <laughs> it's oh, not a good person. Man, yeah, that's just yeah. Fuck that uh, guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Can, yeah, we used to sit behind him at the, my my my. <laughs> I'm connected in Louisville. Uh-huh. My uh, my I've got family up here that were industrialists. They went into the rock, uh, crushed stone business, and uh, and and so there's that's why my parents moved up here in the late '80s because they wanted they were getting old. You know, Dad yeah. was getting into his late '70s, and they wanted to be around some better medical places. And and uh, my stepmom's daughter, strangely enough, uh, it's okay. This is a short family history. Uh, my mother and dad and my uncle and aunt right well mom and uncle tom were siblings they both passed mm-hmm. that left dad and helen well i'd known helen my whole life she was my aunt helen well they lived in florida out on the beach and that's the main reason we came to bonita in 68 was because they we already had family established kind of down there and so anyway dad in a few years in 74 dad wound up marrying aunt helen <laughs> and he moved out to the beach and left me and Doug Glazier. Ben, Ben will remember yeah. Doug. Doug, Doug uh, moved in with me. And uh, dad, like I said, uh, when, when I was 20, dad moved out on me. But anyway, Helen's daughter, uh, their family are industrialists around here. And they go and they're big. They're huge. Yeah. I mean, these people are, uh, yeah, I mean, they are the high end people of, of Louisville. And so I get free tickets to all the U of L football and basketball games. Gotcha. And I got really good tickets because they were two or three rows behind Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> that was a two for there, man, because then you could kind of was, throw popcorn in his hair and stuff yeah, like that. Just, you know? Oh, I didn't mean to spill the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, anyway, so Mitch, no, you're absolutely right on there, Nick. I don't yeah. Know. You know what? I well, got to tell you what, anybody who goes back and looks in their family tree, somebody came from Kentucky. 
Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> well, I mean, somebody did. I, I did. Even back then, people were being dropped off in Kentucky. The Appalachians, that's what it was, man. You know, the Appalachians was people from, you know, the, Ireland, every every place else that nobody, oh, we don't want these people. Yep, send them down there, you know. There's, and it was okay with, it was okay with those Irish and, and Scottish yeah. immigrants. Yeah. They wanted, they didn't want to have anything to do with those East Coasters. Yeah. You know, they moved out into the highlands of, of the Cumberland Plateau in eastern Kentucky and Tennessee, and they stayed right in the hollers, man, and they're still there. Yeah, and they said, this is going to be the good life, and it ain't worked out yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is the problem. Well, I mean, I mean, and and, and, and this, is all, this is all I'm going to say about Mitch McConnell, and we can move on, is, you know, <laughs> Kentucky has, what, 17% unemployment rate, and Mitch McConnell's worth, what, $22 million fucking dollars from what? From what? Being a politician, yeah. he only yeah, makes two hundred exactly. grand a year. Where's he making all that money He's from? Just being a dick. Being a politician, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know. But anyway, so you so you graduated college, you and so you were substituting. Get, okay, I'm substituting. I substituted everywhere in the county. I knew where I did not ever want to work. Yeah, I couldn't get a job. I was forty years old. I wasn't from around there. I couldn't go back to my old school and say, "Hey, look at me! I'm uh, ready to teach now. I've grown up. I'm a big boy." Uh, so I wound up, uh, at the, at that school, it was called, it's Iroquois high school. It's still there, uh, where all the nationalities were. Well, they had a, uh, what we call a functionally mentally disabled unit there. They've give, you've got Which 10. Wife, my wife does call me regularly. Oh, well, FMD. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the technical term, but no, she definitely calls me functionally, um, mentally, mentally disabled. Yeah. Well, these kids are legitimately have serious issues. You know, it's organic yeah. in a lot of cases. Oh, so that, yeah, I was uh, going to ask you that, Joe, is that the, you know, there it's not just, um, it's not ignorance. It's not, uh, you know, lack of parenting. They, they definitely have organic, you know, deficiencies or something physically wrong with them or mentally wrong, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, there's Down syndrome yeah. kids there. There's uh, traumatic brain injury kids there. There's uh, kids who... Oh, or fetal alcohol syndrome mm-hmm. children. Uh, what is know. the actual, I mean, cause every year it's a different, you know, how, you know, doctors and scientists, there's a new term for new things and old terms are not appropriate anymore. I mean, what is the the actual term for, you know, these people that are organically, is it mentally disabled? Is that what it is? Or because I, mean, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Let's say because uh, I know it's like super sensitive. Oh, you know what I mean? Uh, and like, I yeah, we just you know in the business yeah, we still call special it education, ed. right? Uh, but yeah, the official terminology is educate uh, ECE. It's um, ch- exceptional child education. Okay, so it's exceptional. They're exceptional, and it's not because they're busting it off the high end yeah. of the of the SATs. You know, it's uh, these kids, um, the FMD kids, fall into an IQ range of probably lower Ooh. than seventy. Uh, so you know, these kids are not going to grasp most any academic concept mm-hmm. that you throw at them. You know, you'll be lucky if you can get them to uh, do uh, math and that kind of thing. You know. And, and, you know, you see on TV, there's, you know, there are um, uh, Down syndrome kids who are, you know, they work up and become, mm-hmm. you know, functioning humans. 
you know, they can they can work themselves into functioning. Right, right, like Corey yeah. is the one kid. Well, I, I, there's different levels of that too, right? Um, it's, well, what do they say? Uh, spectrum. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it just First. depends on. Okay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's autism. Uh, that's hyperactivity. That's uh, you know. So I went. I so I worked with this unit at Iroquois that worked with the kind of lower end kids that weren't just mm-hmm. bent up in wheelchairs. You know, those kids we call multiple disability. Okay. Those are MD kids. Uh, I never worked with those kids. Uh, they take more physical handling than I was really interested in doing. But this FMD class, the kids in there appreciate every second you spend with them. They are lovely children for the most part. If you spend any time with them, just sitting there and talking to them and let them talk, you know, and they carry on a little bit of a conversation. They may not be getting it, you know, but they are thrilled to death to have you there doing that. And I really like that. And so um, after two years of subbing everywhere in the county, and mm-hmm. I was over that. Let me tell you. I said, uh, you know, uh, there was a program that was put together by um, there's a, a charity in town here. Uh, called Crusade for Children of Kentucky. And Crusade for Children makes millions of dollars. They run the largest charity weekend around here. It's like the weekend Mm -hmm. after Memorial Day or something like that every year where the firemen get out at every major intersection Mm -hmm. with their boots, you know, and they walk up and down the stop. They walk up and down the stopped cars at the red lights and you throw people really are behind this. And they so is it, a, is it strictly Joe Kentucky you know, and kind then they of have a big t- organization? It's it's Kentucky. It's it's Kentucky wide, but it also okay. uh, stretches up into Southern Indiana. So I, I don't know they say there. Uh, you know, I looked this. Uh, I had it all yesterday. I don't remember now. Like there's a hundred. You'd not be. You'd be surprised oh, how small no, the counties are. Too, here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like 170 of them or something like <laughs> that. You know, they're about this big on the map. And and it's it's incredible. I mean, I live in a county now that is just outside. We touch uh, Jefferson County, which is Louisville, and we've got like 22,000 people yeah. in the whole county. We've got, you know, and, and it's it's uh, a lot of it is just hard scrabble agricultural ground that you can't do anything but raise some cows on. You Mm -hmm. know, there are some large farms, but they are few and far between in this county. And those kids, the guys from the large farms, they all drive their tractors on drive your tractor today, to school day. You know, the kids do. They get to to drive their tractor to school one day uh, every spring. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is. I'm out here, you know, it was like the the Trump vote was like, uh, I don't know, at least two to one, if not three to one for Trump in my county. Yeah, it's like Lake County in uh, Central Florida, I'm sure. I, was, uh, I, uh, I, I love these kids. I go in, I found that Crusade for Children is offering to pay for a master's program for people in um, going into special education. So I said, okay, I've got my teaching certificate, which was a, you needed that. And then, so they took 20 of us and turned us into special education teachers over a summer Whoa. and gave me a job. Okay, I had I had to keep going to school the whole rest of the next year to finish my master's degree, but that program gave me a foot in the door, and I 
didn't realize until I was a month or so into the program that I wasn't going to get to work with those kids that I was actually uh, trying to get to, the the FMD kids. I was working with the so-called learning and behavior disability kids. And the learning and behavior disability kids, that stretches, talk about the spectrum, Ben. You know, that that goes from, uh, uh, you know, kids with uh, learning disabilities to, uh, you know, hyperactivity kids. I was going to say bad kids are in there too, right? Behavior kids that... Bad kids are in there too. And the way they ran that program for a number of years, and it's still that way, I guess, probably in some of the high schools, is that they'll give you, you can only have like eight of those kids in a class. Yeah. Which is a blessing because they give me, they would give you a couple kids that were um, MMD, which was just mild mental disability, which just means they're okay. They don't have any real issues other than the fact that they've got like about a 75 IQ. And then you've got learning disability kids who can be smart, but look at a page of text and it's all snakes and gibberish. They cannot discern meaning from text. And so I'd have some of those kids in there and those kids, if they're pretty bright, they tend to get attitude. Well, well, and and what, what happens is, is, is that they figure out, uh, relationships, how to manipulate people because they're intelligent and, and it doesn't have anything to do with math or anything. They can be super smart, you know, in, in different ways. And that's, that's a problem for you. Got people, yeah. But how do you, like I mean, you, that's, right? it's, I mean, it's difficult because how do you, how do you, how do you, uh, a one, one child probably needs very specific teaching tools and he's in a class with another child that also needs very, it's his own or her own very specific teaching tools. How do you teach a whole class of children like that when they all probably individually one-on-one need very specific teaching techniques, you know, that's yeah. Oh yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, that's the the gist. And then, so you've got these two, you've got these two kids that aren't really in the same, in the same boat. And then you throw two or three behavior disability kids in there. Yeah, and you've got a circus, and uh, so you know, I, you know, I'm a big guy for the most part. The the uh, you know the behavior disability kids, some of them would you know puff their chest mm-hmm. up and and threaten. But, me, but how old are know? these kids? And, 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 high schools and, or? Yeah, we're turned notoriously pieces of shit. So, I mean, I was in high school yeah, once. Yeah, I was we, a piece we of shit too. One of those. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, we can say that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't cause anybody I any did. problems. Thank you. Thank you. Well, but yeah, you were more passive aggressive when you were a teenager. Well, in in high school, yeah. you were just like yeah. not talking, not doing anything, not showing up. That was about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and they're yeah. And they're uh, a dime a dozen too these days, you know. So it's like, oh, and look at you now, yeah, Nick. Right. I mean, it, it, I had to, you know, I got there eventually. We're working on it. <laughs> I started, I started uh, putting my life together in my late thirties, you know, it took me, uh, I needed 20 years of uh, me time. I think. So Joe, Joe, is there a guidebook to what you do (laughs) there? So at that time in your life, you know, you're, here you are, you're thrown into the cauldron in the fire and they're like, here, figure it out. Or is there a specific goal? They said, okay, here's, here's 
here's what you're going to try to do. Your goal was to try to get through the year or, or did they give you like a guideline, a gap, or here's what at the end of the year, there's no testing for this. Is there, I mean, what, how did you figure out where you're supposed to be at? Oh yeah. No, no. We have to keep data uh, on every child. They have, um, well, what do you call, what kind of line is it that you start with? Yeah, yeah, you have uh, you have to figure out where they're at. Yeah, first, I mean, you know, right? they, 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 yeah, you got to figure out where they're at. So I've got eight kids here; they're scattered all over the place, and I've got different capabilities. But I've also got to get all these kids doing better in their reading scores, doing better at remembering their multiplication tables, uh, doing better at reading comprehension. So it is mostly a zoo. Um, if you're lucky and your school is big enough, or you've got a specialized program then you can just deal yeah. with one kind of mm-hmm. kid. You know, if you could just work with the MMD kids, the mild mentally disability kids, if you could work with just the LD kids, mm-hmm. like I said, who can be bright, you know, they can have IQs, uh, 130, you know, but they can't discern and text. Was it like a, like a heavy dyslexia or something, or even more than that? Exactly, exactly. And if you so if you've got a bunch of those kids, you could work with all those kids together. But you've if you but they pile them in with all these with all the disabilities, kind of all their mishmash under the learning and behavior disability group. And then you then you toss in a couple BD kids, and it's just uh, you know it's 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 very frustrating. It's hard. Can I ask you? a serious question though not to interrupt no, you go, and i'm just kind of, i've always kind of wondered about this too because i i doesn't feel like it was that long ago that i was in high school and i remember seeing and even in middle school seeing it kind of had these classes and these students kind of tucked away you didn't really see a lot or interact with a lot of these children and then every once in a while you, you'd see them coming through the halls and they'd be going to lunch or whatever and i i don't mean to call them them but you know just the, those children in those classes like that now, as far as like the school boards and stuff like that are, I mean, what, how do they, I mean, like on your personal take, and I don't, I, I don't know if you don't want to, you know, answer it, then whatever, but how do they feel about these programs? I mean, is it just something that they feel like they just kind of have to do or do they, are they genuinely like, yeah, we want to, you know, grow and teach these children into, you know, what, you know, the best we can or like what, where does the school board sit with that? It, people Everybody on that school board has yeah. a different take on those kids. Uh, you know, they, you know, uh, the, the pick that ideally we educate, we, we hit those kids with the right programs so that they can learn. They make steps so that they can work up to uh, being a, a functional, uh, you know, a, a functional adult. A lot of the kids yeah. don't ever make that you know um you know everybody's heart is in the is in the right place um but you've got to have administrators that are behind your program willing to put up with those kids because those kids are going to bring your school scores exactly yeah yeah which means less money maybe huh or whatever in kentucky if you're if you don't meet certain benchmarks the state comes in and takes over. So what they do is they send these uh, these teachers, people that have been supposedly recognized as um, 
you know, exceptional teachers in their own rights or whatever, and they come in from the state and they will make you write out your lesson oh plans God. every day and show them. They, I was going to say, I mean, I did, like I know life. with normal, I have friends that are teachers right now and, um, with with normal teachers that, that I mean, there's it kind of reflects their students almost on them and whether or not they're doing a good job. Is it the same thing with you too? Like if you know that the, the I mean, you have like it just exceptionally, you know, uh, even more so, like one year than the next year. I mean th- that. Oh yeah. Or if you score really good one year yeah. and bomb the next. If you had a good, if you had a good. Um, program uh that got the kids excited for testing and they like actually came to school because they gave them who knows payday candy Mm -hmm. bars at lunch that week special you know and the kids all came to school and they really worked on the test and then the next year you get a bunch of kids in there that don't give a flip <laughs> Your scores go down. Yeah, and the yeah. State yeah. Well, you know, I, I just want to interject that I don't. I don't think uh, it's just education that does that, though. It's healthcare. It's it's healthcare and everything because. Oh no! I didn't know this, but my mom, you know, she's um, she's uh, in assisted living and she's in memory care, and so when when she would she would get hurt, she'd fall or something like that. I'd hear from an ambulance or something. We're taking her to such and such a place or whatever. I'm like, okay, you know, and. So she would get kind of lost in that shuffle and I'm take me a while to find her, you know? And, and so what I found from that experience though, is that they said, uh, they said, uh, you know, well, we sent her to, you were, we, I said, I wanted her to send to a Naples community one, but cause that's where her doctor is, you know, and you, and doctors just can't go anywhere. They can't go into Fort Myers for some reason, you know, or I don't know what that's about. But anyway, so they so they they took her to a, yeah. a Fort Myers place up there, and I said, "Well, can, if you're going to admit her in the hospital, can we go ahead and have her admitted to Nate and Naples?" She goes, "They go, no, it's against the law. No, that it wasn't. No, we don't want to. It's against the law." And at first, I was mad. She goes, and the and the lady really took the time and explained it to me. She goes, "No, that's a really I did that good whole law. thing where she grabbed you by a hand like a small child and was like, "Let me explain this, this to you." Phone. No, because I was pushing. <laughs> you know, I. I I'll do that. You know, I was pushing. I'm like, this is, you know, BS. I said, that's where her doctor is. You know, I, I want her taken down. And that's where she, he goes, no, it's a good law because peep hospitals, the emergency rooms, when you came to our emergency room now, if you come to a, a emergency room here, they, and you're going to be admitted, you have to be admitted in that network because those hospitals used to dump them because they didn't want them. They'd bring somebody off the street or something like that or, you know, a, a drunken guy off the side of the road and they'd be like, nah, let's take him down to such and such a place. And that's kind of like, I, I suspect that's kind of like schools too. There are some schools that are kind of like, eh, you know what, we want to pad these guys up. We want special kids at our schools we want you know until you know we want to be known for you know our uh, academic achievement and stuff and it was the same way with hospitals they didn't want to be they wanted to be exclusive and this way if you get brought to an emergency room there that that's where you'll be admitted at and it's kind of fair and 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 so i i suspect that uh, schools are kind of the same way um that administrators they're they're in a different world. They're in a world of okay. I got to make this work financially, fiscally. I've got to attract good teachers. I've got. I, he's got a whole list. I imagine of stuff. it's like, huh? especially with hospitals, schools, and everything. I imagine it's like everything. Like even with hospitals, you got you have administrators, 
And then you have doctors yeah. with yeah. schools. You have administrators. You have the teachers. You know what I mean? I, I imagine it's very similar. You know, like yeah. they're not always on the same page because one's thinking about money, the other one's teaching about yeah. or uh, doing what their job is. You know. Well, I think I think Joe, Joe, you tell me if you think this is true. I think that tension is is probably good, um, and it probably keeps everybody as long as it doesn't get pulled one direction or the other too far, I think that tension between everybody, you know, being, Oh, let's just, just do the right thing continually. Um, you know, or whatever the right thing was seems like, and let's, let's, you know, kind of throw the checkbook away and just go ahead and go for it. And you got, you need to have some tension between those sides. Sure. I think. sure. No, I, yeah, I get that. Um, uh, and, and one way that Jefferson County shortly after I started teaching there, they, adopted a plan they call a magnet program where the kids got to choose what high school they wanted to go to depending on the magnet program that that school was providing. I went to a magnet school, actually, an art magnet school, but I went to a magnet school. I mean, I got kicked out of it after the first year, but I did go to one. I'm not kidding. I did. I did. I'm trying to remember. Whatever. Yep. Yep, you did. no, I... Oh, it was not my fault. I, I actually, this is not my fault. Yeah. It was not my fault. Look, no. Let me explain real You're quick. You're hanging on to that after all these years. <laughs> let me let me explain. Okay, in in high school, you have drawing and painting one and two. You have drawing and painting three and four, and you have portfolio. Right? There's nothing more. That is it. That's all you. That's all there is as far as art classes go. And my freshman year of high school, I took drawing and painting one and two. That summer. I took drawing and painting three and four in summer school just to get it out of the way because I knew I was going to an art program in a magnet school and I wanted to focus on my portfolio. Well, there's a loophole. You cannot take portfolio unless you were a junior or a senior in high school. So I had to take drawing and painting three and four all over again and I didn't get the credits for it. So I just did what I wanted to fucking do anyways. I just did worked on my portfolio. Well, apparently, as a sophomore in a brand new school, I was kind of influencing some of the freshmen. So they started kind of following along with what I was doing. And by the time next year came around, they were like, no, he's not invited back again. So well, I mean, that's a short Joe, end of the story. From a parental standpoint, I'm sure uh, I appreciate yeah. this being a teacher. I got called to <laughs> come talk about this. How long ago was this? This would have been 20 years. 1995 or six, I oh, think. Oh, shit. Yeah. 20 some odd years. Okay. Math again. Anyway, so uh, so I get the call. I go up to Cypress Lake. It was Cypress Lake. You got to go yeah, to Cypress Lake Mega School. So, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so so we. I, it was the first year it opened. No, it was the cool. first year it opened, and we were the last ones admitted into that school. Most of the kids that were going to that school were had been trying for years <laughs> to get into the program. Yeah, and Neil and I showed up. Showed them what we could do. We were like, no, we we're really good. And they were like, oh, we got to have these kids in the school. They're excellent artists. You know? <laughs> so, so anyway, the teacher called me in there. And uh, she says, uh, she goes, yeah, it's, it's, it's about Nick. And I said, yeah, I, I know. I said, what's going on? <laughs> well, he said, he's a great artist, you know, and I'm his teacher. And I'm like, okay, I got that. I got that. She says, well, you know, for example, we were like, we want everybody to, we put this frog out here. And we said, everybody draw the frog, paint the frog. He said, and I come back over there and he's got a skeleton frog with a sword and, you know, and. You know, really, it, Nick's doing his thing, right? He's still doing his thing, and she's like, "Nah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm. Are you seeing? Do you see that? This, if when you look at that frog, is that what you see? I want you to paint what you see. I want a frog that looks like a frog." And Nick's like, "Nah, 
not doing nah, that. I'm not doing that. Ain't into it. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I ain't yeah. Doing that. And so she was kind of like, ah. So then all of a sudden it was anarchy in her class. You know, you mean we don't have to paint frogs? Yeah. Yeah, I, I might have influenced a couple a other students to. <laughs> I didn't. Wasn't trying to. You're still I was an not. In my defense, you're still an influencer. I don't know. What do they call I, those? I don't ever try to be. Well, let me ask you a question because this is kind of. <laughs> I, this is the Nelson curse, and I'm going to tell you about the Nelson curse. You probably know about it a little bit, but working with uh, special needs, this is one of our special needs as Nelsons, um, for the most part. I I I didn't go because I don't get called for fucking shit because nobody talks to me about anything. But my ex-wife fucking went to a <laughs> teacher meeting with my son and had the same exact meeting that my dad had with my teachers for me. And it was, I Ben probably knows verbatim how this fucking conversation went, but it was sat down Michelle and she said, um, well, Ronan was, you know, set, or he's going to be eight in August is extremely smart. He's reading at a third grade level. Um, he, he's, when, he's very, he's just an extremely smart kid, but I'll be teaching and I'll notice that he's just somewhere else. And then I'll say his name four, five times until I'm at his desk. And then he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And just keeping his attention is near impossible. And that's the Nelson curse that I'm talking about, because I vividly remember one of the few things I remember in life growing up is having the same meeting with my dad and my teachers and him still not paying attention to what she was saying in that meeting. So <laughs> do you have any, do you have any yeah, advice yeah, for that me? Was, that's one of our famous uh, thing is when I went to the meeting and she started telling me this stuff and I can't get through it and blah, blah, blah. Do you ever have that problem? And I'd be like, I'm sorry, what, what were you saying? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, but I, you know, um, we were just having this conversation with a bunch of people yesterday. Yesterday, is that some of it? I think, I think it is. I think it's kind of a male thing. A lot of ways is that we're once we find something that we're interested in, like I'm going to run through that wall right there. Oh, you're not going to stop us. That's all we can think about is getting through that wall. We're about uh, uh, women, I think, and I don't think it's a generalization. It's not a bad one. They're smarter than us. They can do more things. I, I give up. It's true. It, they can multitask. They can do different things. But if I'm watching something and then I'm interested in it, nobody can pierce that. Well, I, I tell Steph this all the time. For me, it's like... It's, it's like um, I have I have these weird glasses on, right? And what I'm looking at, proverbially here, not like physically, but sometimes it's physically. I think you hold them up. <laughs> what I'm, what I'm looking at, Wait. that's all that. that has my Wait. attention. And I this could be in my thoughts, this could be and everything else around me is a blur. Just just a complete blur. And it's literally just me looking around, focusing at the things that and so it prevents me from I don't know how I'm multitasking in my older life. I'm just forcing myself to do it now. But guess what it makes you good at? Your job, which is to, you're like right here, right? When yeah. you're doing something, you're right yeah. here, right? I mean, you're, that's where you're Well, at. I have to wear headphones. I have to, I have to be completely zoned out. How to, long do you do that for? I only do, for me, it's, it's three to five hours for a tattoo. I, yeah. I can't, I couldn't do that no more than, you know? So that that's your yeah. special power. 
And your curse, too. That's your superpower. <laughs> How do I get Ronan superpower. to listen and pay attention in class, Joe? Is there an easy answer to this? <sighs> Lord. Um, the, it really is kind is, of borderline special kind well, of attention. Stay, it really is. It is. No, and, and, and I get that. And I get that. The problem is, is that uh, bright kids have that problem. Uh, when I was a kindergartner and first grader, I talked all day long <laughs> in class, all day. I, you know, and I, my, okay, my mother and father were both teachers. At one point in my father's life, he was principal, sixth grade teacher, and bus driver. <laughs> Holy moly. All at once in this itty bitty little That's town. That's taking some responsibility. In the fields <laughs> of North Central yeah, North Central Kentucky or uh, Indiana, where we're from. Uh, actually, my uh, my great grandfather, my great great grandfather was um, no, it was just one great grandfather was Amish. And uh, but anyway, and my mother was an English teacher, so I was reading and yeah. doing my times tables by kindergarten, you know. And so everything they were doing in class was just. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't interested in that. And so what they did when I started second grade, they said, okay, we're not going to have this Joe problem anymore because oh, we're sticking skipped. him in third grade. So I skipped grade. So now I'm completely whacked <laughs> because they're definitely, you know, they've gone above the my skill levels and now mm-hmm. I'm scrambling to catch up, which was a total new thing to me. And, um, you know, I still managed to stay at the 99th percentile all the way up, you know, all the way through high school, even though I, my grades. So aside from skipping, there, Ronan, I mean, is there any kind of like, I mean, do I just have to keep on him just every day? Just telling him, reminding him, Hey, got it. Because I try to express to him, you know, but you can't only tell him so much as a seven year old. Hey, this is, I trust me. This is going to carry on the rest of your life if you do not start breaking these these habits now. Because it's almost like he's on a different planet. And I know exactly how he feels because not only have I had that problem my whole life, but my other middle son who's 18 now has that problem. You know, my dad, you know, has been able to afford, you know, secretaries to take care of that problem for him for the last 30 years. But But you know, like uh, it, this is kind of a genetic thing that we've all the males in our family. I don't think my grandfather, I don't think grandpa had it, did he? And he's pretty, he seemed pretty focused. Uh, no. No, 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 he didn't. No, he didn't. He, we all, yeah. we all have a whole bag full of issues. We all have a toolbox to work with. That yeah. wasn't in his. No, no. He had a hammer in there. Yeah. But that's about it. That was his favorite. Oh, well, you know, you know, Nick. Um, the Montessori programs um, try to do that. You know, I don't know if there's any and any Montessori programs down there, and if you can find a. Very, if you can find a progressive left wing high school, I don't even want to talk about the school. He's in a uh, charter you know. school right now, and I just kind of, and I don't mean to bounce topics here. I'm going to let you finish, but just remind me here because this is That's something fine. I did. That's you being teaching, anything. I did want to ask you about. But were you saying a, a Mono, sure. Montessori program? What is that? Yeah, that is teach the kids okay. what they're interested in. Yeah, and and how to gotcha. apply math that how to apply reading to that how to apply science to that 
you know, use their interest as the guiding force mm-hmm. in their education instead of the state saying you have to know this in algebra one, you mm-hmm. have to know this in geometry, you have to know this as you go up through the years in math. Um, Joe, did you ever hear this? This it's more of an adage, I think. I I think it's true, though. I I I know it for myself to be true, and from observationally in life to be true. It, when you're a kid, that thing that you used to do, whatever it was that you could do, um, hour after hour after hour, that nobody could get you to stop doing with Nick and Neil at both. They would you could put a pencil on a piece of paper and they would draw for hours. They say, if you find out what that was, and for me, you know what I was doing after a rainstorm, I was outside with a stick cutting ditches between mud puddles and putting little sticks and and I was out there engineering and building building stuff. They said, do that the rest of your life, you're gonna be all right. And you, I you, like you were teaching even when you're a kid. When you're talking to these other kids, communicate. They say you do yeah, that, you're at yeah. your happiest. And I think that the yeah, Joe's no, right. That's yeah, what the Montessori right. program. Yeah. I don't know much about it, but I know that they got that right. If you can find out that one, you can find out what that thing is for Ronan. You let him do that as yeah. much as he wants, man. As long as it's nothing yeah, weird, it just, okay? Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> 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 There's time for those adult yeah. toys. Don't, don't mess with that. That that yeah, Nick. I, there's no yeah. magic. There's no magic. Pill. I was on the magic pill in the eighties, uh, but, but, but you know that uh, didn't do anything and, for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they grew in the cow pastures. No, we knew that those power cow, uh, cow pastures were too. They were right around there, Cypress Lake High Schools, where they were. That's where they were. No, they're, and they're still there. They're still there. <laughs> and I, I I I remember. I remember because I was telling uh, Ben on the last episode. Uh, we were talking about Cypress Lake and how I thought, and I want to kind of talk about that a little bit too with you guys, because I still think it's kind of cool. Because, you know, in the 90s, I grew up, that the 90s, and I think I think that's why Gen X and, and Boomers have such this like weird, close little connection, because the 70s and the 90s were kind of similar musically and, and kind of progressively and kind of like uh, socially, they were kind of the same. Um and, you know, like, I think that's why movies like Dazed and Confused and, and you know, stuff like that were so big in the 90s because they were so, like, kind of close to each other. And we really haven't had another one of those generation things yet, you know. And um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I thought Cyprus was – did you go to Cyprus, Joe, or no? Yeah? I thought it was cool because, like I, yeah. I said, I mean, I was telling yeah. him the last episode. I mean, that, that Dark Side of the Moon mural is still there. You know what I mean? With the It's still there. They didn't paint over that. It's still there. So when you're walking in the halls, you're like, there's this like time piece of the seventies there, you know? And it's just like, whoa, you know? And uh, like, I was, did they do it? Well, I, it looks just like the nice album cover from what I remember. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Hey, that, that, that album's got hanged yeah. on too, buddy. No, I'll it's still to, to this day, it's still day long, on billboards 100 and it has never fallen off of billboards 100 since it came out. And I might've now, <laughs> but the last I heard it has been since it came out in what 71 or 72 it has been on billboards, top 100 albums since it came out longest running top 100 album ever. Cause every generation finds that album yeah. and every generation listens to it. 
Well, well, Joe, you, with no. your music background, all three of us have a music background. My, my, I had somewhat of a music background, as you know, Benny and the Brain Busters, right? Right. right. And, uh, but, you guys rock. Yeah, we, yeah, of a sort. We were loud. Uh, but but when it comes to like uh, Nick, Nick had a band, too, and they, they traveled around stuff. What do you and, and so did Joe. And what are you listening to now? How did your taste in music? Did it, did it evolve? Did it change? Uh, so where, where are you at now? Um, Lord, you know, I tried to grow a little bit <laughs> music musically, but you know, I've got Apple music. Um, and I play it at my desk low, you know, just so that there's some kind of, uh, background noise. So the kids, uh, you know, so the kids aren't sitting there in complete silence, yeah, crickets, you know, yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, man, if nobody's looking, I'm still putting on Neil Young, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I'm still playing Skinner. Yeah. I'm, st- you know, it's You're like, still classic rocking, the, right? yeah, I'm still classic rocking. You know, I managed to get hooked into a little bit of, uh, uh, black key. That still kind of know, has that same vibe to it though, or, you know? Yeah. It does. It does. I mean, you know, that guy, he, does, he really can't play the guitar. Yeah, well, it's like, I yeah. can. <laughs> and so I, I can relate to him, you know, because he doesn't go off on it and he never put a, he never had a band where he had to worry about another guy. It was just him uh, and his the, drummer, the, uh, you know, not the black keys. That's, uh, the white, the white stripes. No, now the white stripes, I think he's got, Oh, uh, stop it. Really? Much musical talent. That guy's black, terrible. No, I was oh, watching yeah, that no, documentary with that White. idiot Jack White, no. and and he's like up there with the Edge and Jimmy Page and like like these brilliant, you know, uh, from Pink Floyd. You know, uh, like he's up there with brilliant. Yeah, David Gilmour. Like yeah, with some, yeah, br- yeah, I mean, these are people yeah, that yeah. made me. I mean, David Gilmour is the reason I play guitar. Uh, the Edge from You Too is the reason I play guitar. I mean, these guys weren't. Eddie Van Halen, but they made their guitar Santana. Like my dad used to listen to Santana, Santana a lot. It was this one particular album oh, that we listened to. Uh, the voice. And the, the yeah, voice, they had man. a voice to their guitar. And I, for me, for me, when I picked up the guitar, Absolutely. I said, I don't care if I can't play like Eddie Van Halen. I want to be able to play that when I play my guitar or somebody hears me playing my guitar, people know it's me. I want to have my own voice. And so like, I really strive for, for years. I still do music and I accomplished that. Now people that know my music, they hear, they can hear me playing guitar. They're like, Oh, that's Nick playing guitar. Now uh, I kind of wish I had put a little bit more time into some of the, you know, theory and stuff like that. But you know me, uh, I was just explaining. I don't pay attention. I'm not going to learn that shit. I mean, like, how do you, (laughs) so you're a guitar player. You were in a band called what? Dark star, which is by the way, that's a really fucking cool name. I wrote a song years ago called dark star. I've always thought that was a, yeah. uh, (laughs) Did did you come? Yeah. Yeah, Is that where you got the name from or? Yeah. yeah. No, no. No. um, I was just a, uh, the band was already together. And, uh, they, uh, the bass player was a big grateful dead guy. Oh, okay. And so that's where dark star came from was, 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 uh, was the late great, um, Harry Dent was his last name. But, uh, anyway, he, uh, he put, that's how they got the, that's how they got their star. It was, uh, doing some old grateful dead tunes. 
and we always played trucking and you know whatever and then we we did a couple spin-off yeah. songs but we were mostly skinnered we Which were I'm a huge fan of. to the max was doug in it before uh, you did before you were there the glazier uh no no doug was never into the uh i never saw doug in a real rock and no. roll band no. um he and i wrote songs and, and music together and i was a hippie and i don't have the gift uh, I don't have talent when it comes to music. Now I can write some words and put some pretty songs together, and and I can rock. Yeah, but I mean, you know, really, I that is the talent because you'd be surprised how many people can't do that. Like a lot of people cannot and do not well, understand that uh, just that little concept that you're just saying there. And you know what I think what you're comparing yep. it to is like the you know the idea of prodigies. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean there's a handful of those, but. I, I think I think you might be selling yourself a little right. short there. I mean, just the uh, concept of picking up a guitar and playing music. I mean, I got a lot of friends. Well, Joe and I used to talk about this back in the day, how we would see somebody like Joe Connors. We would see somebody like yeah. Joe Connors, and we would be like, fuck, I love him, but I fucking hate him because Joe and I would have to work so hard to get, like, right here. And Connors is just like, oh, and and oh, yeah. it wasn't Here. the and it was not the you. time he put a lot of time into it, but that wasn't it. He's just fucking talented. Yeah, he had De- Joe had definite talent, and he was willing when they decided that I needed to be in Dark Star. I was running their soundboard for him, and uh, I had done. Now like what, a, this was a, what seventy one, seventy two, seventy three. This is like no, this is like seventy. Oh, okay, mid seventies. This is like after you guys were in high school. Seventy six, seventy eight, seven. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I I loaned Benny a guitar, and so he's the guy you're talking about that gave you the guitar around me, and I hated his guts. Ah, we have an episode yeah, where yeah. he talks about you giving him his first guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I was real bad. Yeah, but, you know, I have no, but but uh, there's me- mechanical intuitiveness uh, that goes yeah. into guitar playing, but from some manner of sorts. I, I, I've got a buddy who uh, lives down in Gainesville and he was a um, automotive mechanic, uh, incredibly smart guy. And to him to pick up a guitar just once a month and start laying out Steve, Stevie Ray Vaughn licks was just, he just thought it was second nature. I mean, it was second nature to him and I hated his guts because I struggle, man. I can't hardly yeah, but you do know what? a Neil Young solo. I had a guy. And and this was at the end of my band. We were signed to a small label at the time, and and it was just a shit time. It was it was a bad time for everything. It was right before. It was like two thousand and five, I think. And the music industry just fell apart at that time, especially for that kind of music that we were doing then. And um, we had lost our bass player, and we had this guy came in, and it's exactly what you're talking about. And I remember he came in, and uh, I've never known music theory. I've always played by ear. I couldn't tell you what note I'm playing. I don't know how, I don't even know how to read tabs. I've never just, I've never put, I've always just been self-taught. I just play by ear. That's all I do. And even my rhythms, I've always been a drummer. I was a drummer before I was a guitar player. So when I started playing guitar, I was always bringing weird off time signatures in, but it wasn't because I knew the time signatures. It's just, I could repeat a pattern in my head. I heard it as a pattern and I could repeat the pattern. And that's how I kind of saw rhythm guitar was as a pattern. And so, you know, some of our songs had some kind of strange time signatures. And we brought this guy, Kyle, into the band, who by far is one of the, and still, I think, still playing bass in Fort Myers and like cover bands and stuff like that. 
by far one of the best bass players I've ever seen in my like he's one of these guys that could just play anything. He was so good on bass. But I remember he would get so angry with me in practice when we were teaching him these songs because he doesn't play by pattern. He needs to be told, what what am I playing? And I didn't know how to just hear the pattern and repeat the pattern. I don't know how else to tell you that. I don't know the notes. Just watch what I'm playing. And he's like, no, no. And we got into this huge fight. And uh, I'm, you know, and he got kind of got a little holier than now. And I'm, I'm not trying to pull my own dick here by any means, but he got kind of holier than on me. It was like, I'm gonna, you know, blah blah, best bass player in town. This and that. And I can't. You, you can't even tell me which. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I don't want to be that guy. But let's just remind you, you're learning my songs. I'm not learning yours. Because <laughs> that was the case. Like I might not yeah. be this crazy guitar player yeah. and stuff, but but these are songs that I wrote. If you, by all means, bring me a song, I'll learn it. But you're not writing music. You're not a music writer. These guys that are like that, they're really good at repeating what they hear and they're talented in that sense where they can, you know, they're really good studio musicians for that. But if you ask them to write a song, they can't write a song. Well, I never had his problem. <laughs> I never had his problem either. I, I'm not Eddie Van Halen on a guitar. I, I do what I can do when yeah. I do that well, but that's about it. Yeah, no. And, and I just, uh, I liked, I'm Dylan. You know, I'm, you know, I'm Dylan. I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting myself there. Okay. What I'm saying is that it was Bob Dylan and Neil Young. Really? When I saw them doing it, I'm thinking, first off, I can't sing that shit, but I can sing that good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly right. That's what I'm saying. You know? And so I'm going, okay, well, I've got this stuff that is in me that wants to come out. That's creativity, man. That's creativity. And that's all creativity is, is. You have something that it it needs to come out. You know what I mean? I gotta yeah. tell you, Joe yeah. Joe's band. I mean, we would play someplace they would play too, and I'm just very very contrasting music styles. And I didn't know it until I don't know, eighties, nineties. I went, holy shit! Joe Schneider was that close to becoming Tom, friggin' Tom Petty. I mean, I really do think so because I could have seen it. Were, you know, they'd have been just, just. Were you singing in a band too, Joe, or were you just playing guitar? Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah. So yeah, like, I, I gotta ask, man, because yeah. Benita sounds pretty thought, cool back in the seventies, man. I mean, you think about it: seventies badass cars, <laughs> rock and roll. What a weird, quaint little town to have like a bunch of good bands and like. Like that's such a weird, like everything I like you. You think it'd be like some backwards hick town, but it was actually kind of rock and roll back then. It seems like I mean. Yes. Well, I think you just happen to know all the cool musicians. Yeah, yeah. all three of us. <laughs> I mean, think about it though. Bonita in 1976. I mean, having like multiple good rock bands, you know, that were close on the brink of being yeah. really well. I mean, that's pretty. I don't know how good we were. I, yeah, I, know. I, I agree. You know, yeah, I, but I tell you one thing is, is that uh, Dark Star had a repertoire. We could do a whole set of Skinner, no problem. We did, you know, every other hard rock that you could imagine. Um, I got to start out, uh, I've got a funky old song that I would get to start the third set with. And one night at the Brown Jug in Naples, Florida, (laughs) some guy had been standing around loving us to death because he was from out of town, didn't have anything better to do. So he kept buying Mm -hmm. shots for the band, right? Well, I've been two (laughs) shots and I'm out the door, you know, I'm shot. So at the third start of the third set, I get to sing my one yeah. song with Dark Star that night, right? 
and uh, I because st- we started it out every every third set was my 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 solo, and I'd get up there. Well, I forgot the words, <laughs> and and there was a table of bikers that followed us wherever we went, and they were yelling my words to my song to me to help me remind myself. What yes, that's very familiar. My brother went through that a lot as our singer in our band. He really did because he forgot all his lyrics, and we had we had some fans that yeah. would remind him of his own lyrics. That's great. Yeah, that's I felt cool. like Rod Stewart, dude. Oh, you're right. You're like, hey, well, Joe, I mean, back to, to something I want to bring yeah. up real quick before we kind of get a little closer. This is something I wanted no. to bring up earlier, and I wanted to get your opinion on it as a teacher um, and your take on it. Um, okay. Charter versus private versus public schools. And I, I feel like, especially okay. through the Republican Party, and thank God that fucking crazy rich ag is not in charge of the education anymore um i feel like i feel like public schools are kind of getting snuffed out and i feel like it's kind of like a prison system now where we're charters and because my son's in a charter school and just to get him in there i couldn't give it i wanted to put him in the school by me and which was a pretty solid school but you know i mean um I don't always yeah. get what I want. So <laughs> uh, they pushed to get him into this charter school and he's in a charter school. And, you know, my middle son graduated charter school. Now the great th- news was, is, you know, of course he, he's graduating with an associates because he went through the whole charter school program and did it well. Um, wow. But I mean, what's, I mean, what's your opinion on this? Stuff? Okay. I, you know, I think, the problem is, is that the charter schools are fine, but all that does is, is, is ultimately it's going to keep widening the um, avenues of advancement for the uh, between the 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 people who can afford the charter yeah. schools and stuff, and the kids that can't. You know, and I've always been worried about the kids who can't. Uh, I think that the diversif- diversification of education is. Um, good it's good you know you've got your boys you know the uh you're talking about your son with the attention deficit problems well god if you could get him a program that would let him uh, he's he interested in in art and he's interested in science and he's interested in engineering he's got a little bit of the nelson bug in him i mean he, he but for the most part uh it's just like every other kid uh, watching youtube and play video games you know <laughs> yeah yeah if you know, if you could get a place that was heavy on on his art and his science, uh, you know, and and keep him doing that stuff, he would be happier than having to do other stuff. The other two thirds of his daily program yeah. is his daily schedule. You, you know, I mean, um, um, do you think so, that? Private. I mean, Joe. I this is all part of the yeah. same problem. Everything we talk yeah. with about today is because it's just, it's about disparity. It's about economic yes. disparity yeah. leading to educational disparity, which has to health disparity, uh, which helps to social disparity. And 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 yeah. uh, the every everybody everybody shifts to the bottom or the top. I mean, and just yeah. a few get to go up to the top. Um, and, and, and the, and I'm not one of these old, the system guys, I just never have been. I mean, Joe will tell you, I'm as, uh, driving hard working class guy, everything intense 
capitalist pig fine yeah but you're not also one of these guys that are like oh you know everybody can do that as long as they put their minds to that that's a really privileged thing to say no it's a but it's a rational thing to say too because it obviously can't work like this or for everybody in different circumstances either yeah because because when you shove everybody up this way and that way that's that's messed up man and and especially the people who make the rules uh, if if it's if it's the people who have the money who get the best education, the best health care, the, the best social circumstances, the best foot up, how are you ever going to make it off the bottom? You're not. You're, You're not. not. Yeah, absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And this American right. dream business, Joe, that you used to be, that used to be true. You can't, you ain't doing it now. I don't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> you ain't doing it now. And it's, it was, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's made to be that way. I mean, I, I don't think that there was some evil force that designed it wholly to do this. I think everybody, every one of these systems had, well, look, uh, there were different reasons for wanting, oh, we, we wanted, we want to do away with the, the public school system. I think the public school system was the best equalizer on in the yeah, United Yeah, but it's falling States. short. I mean, there, the, I, I really highly... Everybody fe- had I, to go to the I really don't think in 20 system. years there will be a public school system anymore, not the direction that we're going. There better I don't be. think there is. I don't think there, there is. There better be. They, well, then they need. We still got to educate the kids, yeah. right? But, yeah, but they're going to be. Uh, you know, those public I, schools uh, are going to be such on the, the bottom things. of the cesspool of education because there's going to be no money going. It's going to be like the art programs or the music programs that are getting dropped out of schools. You know, like that. That was for me yeah. as an adult. That was probably the most disheartening thing that I had heard in a long time. Was that because that was my favorite programs going to school was music and the arts. You know, and I, I didn't, pl- I mean, I played football through middle school, but I, I wasn't like a big sports person, you know, and just because there's what, no money for the school for arts and music, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think. I, I, I even think that the, the racism and stuff like that gets worse without public school systems. You know, anytime that you say, okay, well, let's keep them separated. Let's keep let's keep all the rich white kids over here, and let's keep all the the poor non whites over. Here. Yeah, that's gonna work out really well. I think that you have to. I think it's always best to say, look, you're gonna live together in this world, so you're gonna learn together in this world. You know, it, and you're gonna learn to take take care of each other and to deal with deal with each other. Um, it's it's it that should be part of your education. But you know, I I think this is a, a more and more a minority. Uh, opinion, especially when you're a parent and you see your kid and you know, oh, I want him to go to the best school. So let me get him over there it, it, using whatever means that you have. And if it's being <laughs> yeah, a white rich going guy to jail for that now. Yeah. Right. Right. There's yeah. The, what, what's her name from, uh, the fam- oh, what is yeah, yeah. oh, you know, the TV people, yeah, let me yeah, exactly. in there, you know, yeah. I mean, Joe, I mean, yeah, I, I talked to you a little bit there. earlier before the episode and you mentioned something about, ideas on how to figure out how to educate inner city kids and the problems that we're talking about right now. And that, you know, um, as far as like universal incomes and all that stuff, like, I don't know, man, what's your take on that stuff? I mean, like, well, you know, we've got to change the whole headset of the inner city. Um, you know, we don't call them ghettos anymore, but that's what they are. You know, we've got to change that headset. We've got to do something. And um, even if it's 
you know, they're all in there. They're, they're on, they're on, uh, Oh, assisted housing. They get all their, um, medical bills paid for, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, what we need to do is make them responsible. I mean, that's just me. I think we need to make them responsible for their own well-being, even if they can't support it financially. How much are we paying for their rent? How much are we paying to feed their children? How much, uh, you know, how much are we paying for their medical bills? So you're saying maybe taking some of those finances and allocating it towards education too? Is- yeah, yeah, right towards their education. Uh, but that's what you know. I I never understood where Yang was coming from with his universal basic income. But I think if they were to start giving the low end families a basic income, but Make them pay for their insurance. <laughs> Make them pay for their housing. Make them pay for their food instead of just giving them, uh, you know, instead of just giving them, um, yeah, you know, welfare. Well, checks. you know, I don't think it's just the. Uh, I mean, because I mean, especially coming from Kentucky, I'm sure there's plenty of these white ghettos in the same process too. Like I think, and I, I know I'm saying race on there, but I, you just said ghetto. I remember we're speaking across the board here too. Um, there, there is a lot. I mean, I, I noticed, uh, especially coming from Florida, I mean, uh, most of the people that I've seen, especially complaining about a lot of this welfare stuff are people that are, are like white people on welfare living in the trailer parks and shit like that. You know what I mean? So they're exactly part of the problem, which is, you know, this idea that, uh, without getting too, I don't have a solution, but you know, like there's this idea that, okay, right now, uh, welfare it's hard to get, but it's easy to stay on, right? And what it needs to be is easy to get, hard to stay on is what it should be. You know what I mean? And I think that's really what the idea of this social... Because I do believe in the social net. I think that especially until we can... In society where we can get to... A, you know, like we watch Star Trek, you know, me and my dad. So, you know, we can get to a Federation kind of world, you know, we're never going to, that's not going to, that's nowhere near in the future yet. So until we get to that point, we do need these safety nets for people, especially in these kind of neighborhoods. But I don't know. Well, that, that, the, the intertwinement is where it's at. The, the, what Joe's talking about, that became a problem. People, people who got, uh, who are dependent on on that kind of a system? That became a problem for a reason. It wasn't no. because they're bad people. It's because when you live in a ghetto area, when you live in an inner city, where are you going to get a job? Yeah, right. I mean, it, yeah. Right. No, you got to have a. Car. And you got to have an yeah, education, yeah. right? Yeah, and you got to have a you know having a father and a in a mom that yeah it's that intertwinement of problems. Uh, and so, yeah, do, do does society need to invest some money in 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 actually thinking about that as a problem and not as a fault? It's it's not somebody's fault. Uh, I don't think. I think that it's a it's a trap, and and it's like a lot of traps. It's the same trap that the, the people we all build for ourselves. You know, I mean, I talked to some young guys working for me a lot of times about that kind of thing. Is that, you know, they're like, well, you know, oh, I'd like to make some more money. I'm like, well, maybe you should put some more hours in, <laughs> you know, because it's math, you know, I mean, or whatever, or, okay, that's cool. Then you need to learn this and this and this, and then I can read. So, yeah, it's, 
I, 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 I think, I think for me, I've seen it. I've been in a part of that. And a lot of it, like, for example, perfect example, uh, especially in, in some of these inner cities with this new administration coming through, uh, to have talked about it a little bit. And I mean, just within the judicial system, right? It's this idea that, that less fortunate, financially capable, less financially capable people have a harder time getting out of certain circumstances versus people who have money. I would say any, any circumstances. Yeah, well, any circumstances. You know, for example, just <laughs> bail, for example, right? Yeah. Or speeding tickets or showing up and paying court fines. It is so easy. I mean, I was there in my 20s. I lost my license for five years because of this bullshit in my 30s. It's so easy to get caught up in these small little things that happen that pile up monies that really have a negative effect on your 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 living circumstances, right? And this is just minuscule th things like this. I can't imagine, you know, adding race to this, adding, you know, being a person of color or, you know, living in certain inner cities or whatever, and then putting all of those combined together and then adding on top of that crap school systems and, you know, bad education. And like, it just... I, and then for somebody like I saw on Facebook the other day, oh, we're all capable of uh, just put the hard work in. You can, you, we're all capable of becoming whatever we want. Oh, that is the most fucking ridiculously privileged thing I've ever heard in my life. No, we're not. It's not all the same for everybody. It's not. No, it's just not. not. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. yeah, yeah. But I had, but, I, but it's tough. Uh, we even when it comes to something like recreational drugs. All right. In Florida now, I can't believe I can say this. I think it's amazing. It was a hard way to get here, but you can actually get a medical marijuana card now and you can get like two ounces a month, two, two ounces of smokable Whoa. weed a month. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, OK, you know, I mean, or edibles or whatever. But you know what it costs? Money. You have to be. You have to you go to the doctor. You know, you got to go to a doctor. That costs you $250. No insurance is going to pay for that. And then you have to do that in order to keep that medical marijuana card. You have to go to the doctor every four months and pay him another $250. Plus, you're not playing buying street weed. You're buying, you know, medical marijuana weed, which is expensive, expensive, all legal. So you don't go to jail. A black kid who gets caught with that, guess where he's going? Or guess where oh, yeah, he already is, man. Time. You know now, yeah. So that's yeah. it, man. And that's a, it's a weird. What do you do? Keep writing, uh, Mitch McConnell. That's what you do. <laughs> keep, yeah, keep, like keeps in him hate mail. I mean, that's all, all I gotta say. Uh, hey, well, you know. Yeah. Well, what are you doing for fun these days, Joe? What's what's your fun stuff to do, man? Uh, my fun stuff these days. Well, <laughs> when COVID wasn't happening. Um, you know, I got out a lot more on the lake. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm within five miles of uh, uh, some uh, boat ramps, and I've got a paddle. Do you stand or do you sit? And I, and I just get stand or sit. Pardon? <laughs> I'm too big oh, to stand, no, man. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm six up. one, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. I don't stand on a paddleboard, man. Joe's <laughs> a little bitty guy. No, I'm. I'm <laughs> you six, can stand four, on a paddleboard. Thirty, you know, but good for you, man. Good for you. Oh yeah, yeah. You just get a big one. <laughs> You just get a big one. He's, he's like cruising yeah, across on a pontoon boat, that. you know. With a... <laughs> I saw that on a, I saw right. that on a, a portageon yesterday. Joe's got a big one. I, I didn't realize till now that was true. <laughs> That's right. It's, uh, <laughs> but no, I get out there on in this little lake, 
uh, I go to the boat ramp with all the bass fishermen and I just go off to the side and I walk up there with my paddleboard. I've taken off out of the trunk of my car, you know, and I put it over there and I start paddling off and going up these creeks and I just get away from it. You know, and I'm out there and I'm loving it. You know, I just, I do that. Uh, I, Benny, I still pick up and play the guitar. Oh yeah. A lot. Yeah, a lot. No yeah, kidding. I pick up, I, I pick up. Joe, the I was this I close, rock, this close to you. getting my old man back into music again. This close, almost did it. It was so close. Yeah. It was like within. I could taste, taste the Ben energy coming out of the music, <laughs> and then he's just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> it, it. It also depends on what you were, what what part of that musical equation you were gifted with. You know, to me, I was I was a bottom end rhythm guitarist in a rock and roll band. And I looked like the biggest rock star there was on stage. Mm. I was all over the place, Mm. man. I had more fun than anybody else in the bar. In the middle of the encore, we would be doing free bird. I would unplug my guitar and jump (laughs) down into the the crowd. I would be handing the guitar, but play the solo, man. Play the follow, bruh. Yeah. So, you know, and I always, and, and, uh, you know, it took a while for Connors, who was the consummate guitarist and the leader of my leader of Dark Star, to, to let me go, you know, because when, when he let me go, he had more fun. The singer had more yeah. fun. The drummer had more fun. <laughs> the people in the audience had more fun, and I was just out there acting. Hey as man, big that's as that, that that's rock and roll though. That is rock and roll, and and it really is. Exactly. I mean, uh, rock and yeah. roll is notorious for not being the best. Uh, actually, being pretty ugly fucking dudes, uh, playing pretty shit music, but having good time and rocking out. That's why punk rock got so big in the eighties. You know what I mean? And that kind of thrash metal and Metallica and shit like that. And, you know, they finally started hiring some really good dudes that can play some really badass stuff. But I mean, it was really just, I mean, that's part of rock and roll, man. Whoa. Well, well, Nick's been getting me into it by uh, teaching me garage band <laughs> slowly but surely, and I, I've been I've had fun with that. And I have taken a bit of a sabbatical on it. I'm just giving you a hard time, Ben. <laughs> but I got to get back on it. I was just starting to get to where I was like, because it's a really a good creative thing once you once you figure it out, and and you get to put down some really it's, good tracks. It's instant it's kind of gratification, man, because you. But it's not. No, it's not the same. Though. No, it's totally. I talk to Neil about that all the time. Not we miss it so much, man. I. Three three guys, three piece. You know, Mark Melendon shit, that's where it's fucking at right there. <laughs> right? Am I right? Mark Melendon. I, I, I listen well, to old Grand Funk, man. I'm like, well, even, even Rush was a three that. Rush is a three piece band. Grand uh, Funk even Railroad, some man, big bands in the 90s, like Primus and stuff, three piece band. The Sun, Time Machine, all that stuff, man. Easy Tops, a three piece band. Yeah. Right? I always was more of a bigger fan of five piece, you know, with a singer, just because I felt like it was more, more dynamic. There was more volume to it, to it, you know. There was more orchestration, especially live, because there's only so much you can do live in a three piece, man. I mean, if if you're playing a lead, you're losing your rhythm, right? I mean, it's just, I, I, I by some people, some people, but I gotta tell you what, the guys who do it right, three piece. You don't know. I've seen Joe Satriani play three piece 
And you oh, he's probably know. got like MP3 players playing all his <laughs> rhythm shit behind him. Now. <laughs> no, I said bass player fills that room up. Man. I guess. Yeah. I pretty, guess. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, there you're talking about extremely talented musicians, you know, and I don't work on that. <laughs> <level>. <laughs> I listen. Oh, on oh I am a perfectionist when it comes to yeah. listening to that. I'm the biggest yeah. music snob on the planet. I enjoy on that. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people work because yeah. that's like one of my favorite pastimes is fucking with millennials and their fucking bad choice of music. And um, that's all I work. I'm like the oldest guy at my job, you know. I, I don't know how I became the old guy at work, but I am the old guy at work. And, uh, yeah. So uh, they're, and they're always like, well, what do you listen to? And I'm like, you can't, you will never attain to my amount of music snobbery. You won't even understand well, I, where I will be coming from. It will be completely, hey, I'm going to hey, say hey, this Joe. as John Malkovich is again. It will be hey, a complete Nick, waste of welcome. your time. You're welcome. <laughs> I taught you well. Ah, I my taught you well, one. my young Padawan. Yeah. Uh, I, I polluted their minds with it. I, I had stuff playing special effects. Uh, Satri, I, I had all kinds of stuff playing. I mean, all across the board, man. All across from from really fusion jazz all the way down to just dirt yeah. grunge, man. It was just uh, for sure, it's man. Good stuff. And they. Kept oh yeah, them. no, it, it's 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 gone kept... to another level. I mean, you've seen the music I've been sending you, Dad. I'm just on a whole new oh, level yeah, of music yeah. snobbery. <laughs> he, said, he sends me stuff all the time, and I'm like, I'm like, he's like, I'm like, okay, right, let's do it. And I'm like, whoa, that's really good. It's kind of like it's come oh, yeah. back, you know, it, it oh, came yeah. full it's, circle. It, you know what it is? Yeah. It's prog rock meets that Jean-Luc Ponte. I don't know if that's considered prog jazz fusion, but um, that violin player that you used to listen to back in the day, it's that with guitars. Yeah, and and then with a with a you splash <laughs> yeah. some some Eastern European prog metal into there with some dejent with a little bit of jazz fusion, and you get this weird amalgamate of epic snobbery. It really is. It's just good stuff. Oh yeah, Doug Glazer and uh, and I. Uh, this old it, Doug was a really good guitarist. He played it intuitively. He just learned it and figured out stuff and did it all on his own. And uh, he called me up a couple of years ago and he said, "Hey, look, uh, Maha Vishnu Orchestra is on tour." John McLaughlin, mm-hmm. and he said uh, uh, McLaughlin had stated that this was probably his last tour. Because he's getting old, he's getting arthritis, he just can't cut it anymore. And uh, we met in Indianapolis, which is about a three-hour drive for me and about a four- or five-hour drive for Doug. He comes down from Michigan. And we meet and we go to this concert. And, like, I was crying. It was like, this thing is just... And they played um, Visions of the Emerald Beyond, like... uh, And it was was just like... Except for the girl singers that they had on the album... It was just like it came off the album, man. And they were all up there, and they were like, they weren't even trying. They were just doing it automatically. But you guys come from that boomer generation of putting on a record in a dark, weedy room with some black lights and some lava lamps and just smashing out to a fucking full album of just... You know, in a dark, just just listening to it, you know? And like I said, my generation in the 90s, we kind of did that too because that whole grunge rock thing came through, and it was really just... Really good album. I like some of my most influential albums. And you know what? Uh, on a last note, speaking of it, what what do you think? Uh, what what generation do you think it is for you that you get the most? Because we've talked about um, nostalgia. Yeah. Oh, what nostalgia? what do you is it the seventies that you get nostalgia from? As far as is that when you were getting really influenced into music? Like if there's something that you hear and it just brings you back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Late seventies. I mean, let's face it. Uh, Joe Walsh. 
Oh yeah. Well, right in the mid seventies for yeah. me, it was, uh, you know, it, it was Walsh. It was, it was Neil. Uh, you know, I, you know, I was terribly heartbroken when Kurt Cobain bit the end of a freaking shotgun. It's like, dude, man, because he was starting to say stuff. He was getting a generation to pay attention again. And, and, and then he took out his own fricking snuffed his own light, man. It was like, and snuffed his own flame. It's like, dude, I yeah. was counting on you to bring it yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, even, Al- even Allison change. They, the, the guy, the kids got me into Allison change. Well, they didn't. I, I heard, uh, the rooster, and then I was. Like, uh, I was one what, of the first uh, '90s bands that I connected with my dad with, and my dad was like, "See, this is these guys get it. These guys get it. These guys get it." Allison Chase, yeah. yeah, yeah, Man in the Box. Yeah, you know, if yeah. Man in the Box yeah. comes on, man, it's like, look yeah, at it. Well, I know, man. That 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 strange that strange mm-hmm. under over harmony. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I got chill bumps right then. Think of the the, the two singers. Yeah. I mean. I don't know how they came up with that, but they need to just do it. They, I kept saying, just do that more. What, whatever do you're doing, more, just, you know? just keep doing it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, no shit. Uh, thank uh, you guys, for this. Uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this is actually been a little anything. bit I thought we were going longer to talk about. than cool. uh, most of our episodes. But I think we're going to keep it, though, because it's been all interesting. It's been all good. Um, Joe, is there anything you want to plug or any organizations that you want people to kind of look into or anything before we dump, uh, bounce out here? You know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Crusade for Children up here is just what, you know, they helped me out. They help a lot of kids. Uh, Crusade for Children for Kentucky. Uh, it's it's um, it's one of the TV stations. It's W-H-A-S Crusade so for Children It's the W-H-A-S Crusade.org, right, is, what you, is the website? Okay. Yeah, I think that's Probably. what you sent me. Yeah. 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 Cool. And... Uh, and and they really work for the kids that uh, I wound up working with my whole career. I'm still working with them. Um, and they still, like I said, they paid for my whole paycheck uh, the first year I was out here after I retired and came back to teaching again, well, Joe, which is a nice You said those kids nice thought you were a superhero. Me. They're right. I wish there were like, I wish there were like 100,000 more of you teachers that would do what yeah, you do, real. man. Um, thank you so much for doing that stuff, man. And and I'm hey. glad that you had math at the same time. That was good. It, it worked out. It worked out. Now, now I can help the kids do their math. Well, thanks, Joe. We appreciate having on. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and then, uh, uh, we, like I said, we, we really appreciate having on here. We, I, I would like to have you back again as a guest. It'd be a good time. We well, had a really good time. With you, and uh, make I'd sure you it. check out the yeah. other Dark Waters podcast, Record of Mortimus. You can search on any of your uh, podcasts players for that and that's my other show um it's basically a gaming podcast like tabletop dungeons and dragons gaming it's kind of like an old-timey radio show too it's pretty cool and uh make sure you check out on facebook never go full nelson give us a like and a follow on there you can kind of see pictures and cool stuff like that this episode was produced by dark waters executive produced by ben nelson jr edited mixed and mastered by preston hardwick thank you check us out again next week we got another episode doubling up right away next week uh so make sure you uh, stay tuned there we're gonna be uh like i said doubling up another episode next week to make up for the week that we were off thanks